This is Golf Talk Canada, Canada's only national golf talk radio and TV program. Presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. Learn more at TaylorMadeGolf.ca. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Sacchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Well, good morning, golf fans. Welcome inside Golf Talk Canada. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Bob off this morning, but Bob will be back for Wednesday for our doubleheader radio and television. Lots going on in the world of golf, which we will get to momentarily. But Mark, after what you saw yesterday, last night, between about 6.45 p.m. Eastern and 9.30 p.m. Eastern with our dear Toronto Maple Leafs, how are you feeling right now? Adam, I, I can't believe I'm going to say this because, you know, this has been the narrative now for how many years with this team, with this core group of players. And, and we keep saying after each disappointing playoff run, we keep saying the same thing. Well, we can't blow it up, right? Because we're just too good. The, the core of this team is too highly skilled. The core of this team is too elite. So we got to tinker. We're going to, you know, add a couple of pieces here, tinker there, a little bit more grit here, yada, yada. Oh, if we just get some goaltending, yada, yada, I'm past it. It's time to blow this thing completely up, I'm saying. I'm saying I am sick of chasing the President's Trophy. I have no interest in another year of the President's Trophy. This is a ridiculous amount of kicks at the can for the same group. And for what these guys are getting paid, I'm done with it. I say blow the entire thing up, start again. And I don't know where the responsibility lies here, Adam. I don't know how deep you go. Behind the bench, certainly up into the office, right to the top. I say you go as high as you want here and point the blame. I'm disgusted in the entire thing, Adam. Disgusted. Well, that's one way to put it. For me, watching that last night, Mark, it felt like a game in November. It felt like there was no jam to it. It felt like, you know, you watch some of the other games. You know, on Saturday evening, I was hosting SportsCenter with Mark Rowe, good friend of the show, and as we do on television, we wear lots of makeup because of the lights, and I got, I mean, my face also needs it, but anyway, we, I got to the studio, went to go get makeup done, it was one nothing Oilers, three minutes into the game, I come back, it's 4 nothing. the Oilers were all over Vegas, and it seemed like the Leafs had no pushback, I didn't even realize Mitch Marner was dressed last night, he was just floating around like it was a, a pleasure skate, and it was it was puzzling to say the least. You know the former goalie in me watching Samsonov get hit. That did not look great. It I couldn't tell. Like it seems like Mark he's been hampering some sort of groin or knee issue. But for me that looked like a separated shoulder. The way Luke Shen went right into his collar. I thought it might have been a concussion uh, because of the way he went into the shoulder and the head. I thought maybe concussed. But but goaltending not the problem though, Adam. Right? Like check this out, Tavares. Marner and uh, Nylander, one goal in the last seven games. Yeah, One goal in seven games. Austin Matthews hasn't scored in three. Let's put Matthews aside, because at least at times, I think, last night, Matthews appeared like he was having a shift. For that matter, Nylander as well. But at the end of the day, I'm past the trying point. I mean, you either put up 
and you you win or like Al Davis said, just win, baby. The trying stage. How many how many runs is this now? Four or five playoff runs with this unit at least, right? Multiple game seven loss to Boston, uh, Tampa, Montreal, the most embarrassing of the bunch, and now this. So we're past four or five. You're right. It's even deeper than that. Blow the thing up. I'm done with it. Start again. Uh, dra- draft picks, prospects, right from scratch again. I'd rather be an expansion team. Look at what Vegas and Seattle has done. Let's go into the expansion draft. Let's move Toronto to Scarborough and join the expansion tra- draft. <laughs> well, the last time the Maple Leafs came back from a 3 nothing series deficit back in 1942. So a very tall and steep hill to climb. Okay, that's it for our Maple Leafs talk. It's been a very different conversation than it was during our show last Monday when we were all hooping and hollering and celebrating what the Leafs did, making it to the second round. We'll have a preview of Game 4 at the end of our Wednesday show right here on Golf Talk Canada. But this is a very busy show. Niall Horan is joining us today on Golf Talk Canada, which will be very exciting. Brandon Wu, a young star in the making on the PGA Tour will join us as well in hour two, as well as Kristen Murphy making her return to Golf Talk Canada. But lots of news going on in the world of golf. Let's hit it with some news and headlines. News and headlines are brought to you by Sandbagger Hard Seltzer. Sandbagger, everybody knows one. Well, not a great weekend for the Maple Leafs, but a great weekend and a great year continues for Canadians winning on the professional tour. Stephen Ames, second win of the season on PGA Tour champion, setting a tournament scoring record at the Mitsubishi Electric Classic, his fourth PGA Tour champion's victory of his career. Mark, how significant is this for a guy like Stephen Ames, who had a good PGA Tour career to continue having success on PGA Tour champions? I think it's, I think it, it's great, and I think it speaks to a lot of how you can keep it going on PGA Tour Champions. I mean, there always has been the odd guy, I think, Skulls, where, you know, like Bernard Longer, perfect example, right? I mean, he's beaten father time and, and, and extended his career immensely on PGA Tour Champions. But do you recall, like, you know, 20 years ago or, you know, 15 years ago, it was really you came off PGA Tour Champions and it was a revolving door, right? You had, a, you had one or two guys that grabbed those two, three-year windows of when they were in their early 50s, and then they kind of disappeared, right? And I think guys now, you know, they're, they keep their themselves in shape longer. They're a younger 50 than they were 15 years ago, 50 the new 40, yada, yada. I think these guys now, it's so cool that they get to keep winning and extend the Champions Tour career. And I think this was a great win for Stephen Ames and a bit of a walk-off, Right. I mean, it was kind of his tournament. It felt like the entire week. So good on him. We know how hard it is to lead, to close out when you have a big, a big gap. Sometimes it's one of the, I know it sounds ridiculous for, for people who don't play a lot of golf or don't really watch a lot, a lot of golf and understand it the way we do. They go, I don't understand. Why would a big lead be hard? Isn't that the goal to have a big lead? But it is amazingly difficult to stay in the moment, one shot at a time, not get ahead of yourself, not get defensive, not get off your game plan when protecting a lead. A really well done for Stephen Ames. 
So a four-shot victory for Stephen Ames. He won by five shots earlier this year in Morocco. So a pair of dominant victories for Stephen Ames. Let's hear from the latest winner on PGA Tour Champions, Stephen Ames. Obviously, it means a lot. The fact that I'm still winning out here at age 59 now. Oh, God, did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and still be able to compete against some of the... Well, we've got some great players out here on tour, obviously. A lot of Hall of Famers. Um, that's... Uh, that's tittles to me, you know, I'm keeping myself in shape and uh, still practicing and still have a lot of drive and uh, want for it to play well, which is good. Difference between this week and Morocco? Wow, not much. Morocco was good ball striking also. The last day I just didn't, I couldn't buy a putt, but again, I still won by five. So that was the, that was a key there for me. I think, I think if you look at both the golf courses, Morocco probably had a little bit more difficult greens to, to put on, but uh, shape-wise off the tee and into your second shots into the greens, pretty similar to this. Yeah, for sure. Pretty cool there for Stephen Ames to get it done. Also having his son caddying for him too. That's just a cool experience overall. But Mark, it seems like week in, week out on this show, we're recapping Canadian victories, whether it's on the LPGA Tour, whether it's three different tournaments on the PGA Tour, Corn Ferry Tour, now PGA Tour champions for the second time this year. The overall state of golf in Canada, would you say it's at an all-time high right now? A hundred percent. And I'll throw another one at you too, Adam. Not only are we at an all-time high, but if I had told you, three months ago that come uh, late May or come mid-May when we approach the PGA Championship, that the biggest concern right now in this very moment for Canadian golf would be the next uh, few months of Brooke Henderson's play, you would have told me I was insane. But right now with Stephen Ames, the way he's playing, Mike Weir, the way he's playing, put Park the Champions Tour aside. Also, Mike Weir has something huge on his plate as President's Cup uh, captain coming in are multiple winners on the PGA Tour, which was almost four and five at the Zurich Classic in New Orleans and the consistent play of Team Canada. We've seen what has happened at the uh, Corn Ferry Tour level with, with Team Canada. Listen, Brooks a winner already this season. So I don't want to overstate it or, or you know, you know, start lighting fires in places that you know, there's no necessary fi fire needed. Uh, but at this given moment, if you're just talking about the next start, that, you know, that micro, the next start, I'm more concerned about Brooke than I am about any of our uh, Team Canada players right now, which is hilarious that, to say that. Yeah, pretty wild for sure. And we're going to try to get Stephen Ames on uh, Golf Talk Canada on Wednesday's show to have a full breakdown and debrief on the week that was. But some other uh, news around the world of golf on this Monday morning. We've spoken at length about the lawsuit between Liv and the PGA Tour. Peter Uline drops out of it. So, Mark, this only leaves Bryson DeChambeau and Matt Jones as from the original 11 players who were initially part of this lawsuit. Any thoughts about this? I, I, I'm wondering why Matt Jones and Bryson are still in there. Like, that's what my biggest uh, shock is, is that there was still anybody involved because – Okay, once the once the, the decision went down on a DP World Tour level, which we saw last month, and guys re resigned their position there. Uh, previous to that, of course, we're not, you know, we're not at that stage yet in America. It's going to be a much longer process. But to this point, 
most of the major dominoes have fallen the PGA Tour's way. So I, I think we see the writing on the wall here for for most of uh, what is yet to be decided in American courts. I'm, I'm curious, Adam, as to what the advantage is, is for these guys to stay in there. Like, why are Matt Jones and Bryson DeChambeau still in this lawsuit? They have absolutely nothing to gain. I'm so confused by this. Yeah, I'm with you. It really makes no sense. And uh, we, we posted, our social media team posted the rant I went on on Bryson DeChambeau and the world ranking. So, first of all, I have to thank you for the years, the years of <laughs> expertise you've taught me in terms of ranting. And we got some pretty funny responses from people on, on Twitter as well. I have a question for you, Adam. Yeah. Okay. Our, our feelings towards Liv and about Liv are, are out there. They're very open for both you, Bob, and I. And, and I'm, I'm parking the politics aside, which some people can't. Some people do not park the ethics and, or the potential moral dilemma and politics to it aside. Okay. Some people that, that enough is alone. And you know what? I, my moral and ethical compass aligns more with, with that crowd than it does with the live golf fan crowd. But what I've tried to do this year for 2023 is park that and just look, just evaluate live from a product standpoint, a golf product and TV product standpoint, entertainment product. It's not for me. Okay. But if it fits your moral compass and the product is fits for you and you like it, then go and enjoy it. Here's what I can't understand. And I'm wondering how you feel about this. Why is the live golf fan? And there's not many. Let's be honest. Okay. There's about a tenth of the golf community right now, just based on TV numbers. They have one tenth the PGA Tour TV audience. So there's about one tenth the golf community that are live golf fans. Why do you think they're so obsessive that we agree with them? The one thing I've noticed in social media, the one thing I've noticed about the people who champion live golf, they are obsessed and angry that you and I and Bob and the people that don't find it interesting or entertaining agree with them. They are, I mean, I, I, mean, I don't care if they like live. If they like live, go watch live. I don't care what they do, what they think, or where they spend their entertainment dollar or their time. Why are they obsessed that you and I care about Live Golf? I'm so confused about this. Yeah, I don't know. And even like leading into the Masters, we weren't really sure what the reception was going to be between the players. And I think that was a major conversation going into that tournament. And aside from Patrick Reed playing practice rounds alone and many of the Live players playing practice rounds together. And then you got Brooks Kepka, who, you know, says two days before the tournament that he sees Rory and JT all the time and they're still buddy buddy. It's sort of like, who cares? These guys are playing different tournaments. Sure. Some players went over to live and good for them. They got a boatload of money. You know what? And Brooks Kepka, he even mentioned or hinted very strongly at maybe the decision would have been a little different if his health was where it is right now. So there is still a divide, at least on social media. And I'm sure obviously between Greg Norman and Jay Monahan, but between the players, aside now from Bryson and Matt Jones, I think it's sort of a moot point, right? You know, and that's what I say. That's how I feel yeah. about it. And, yeah. And again, uh, no, you're, no one's forcing anybody, just like no one's going to force anybody to watch Wells Fargo or Quail Hollow. I mean, at the end of the day, it's, a, it's just a math uh, equation. 
okay? And you've got 3 million people watching this and 300,000 people watching that. And I just happen to align more with the 3 million than the 300,000. And if you happen to align with the 300,000, God bless you. There's 300,000 of you. But I don't need to like it. I don't. And it's got nothing to do with the whole moral thing or whatever like that. I've parked that. I've told people how I feel about that. You have. Bob has. Most of the world has. But at the end of the day, the leaderboard's confusing. I hate the shotgun. It drives me nuts. It's like watching a Japanese cartoon. I think I'm going to have a stroke every time I watch the the leaderboard. I mean, I, I don't care for it. Now, maybe it gets better. That's my feeling right now. And guess what? You should be fine with that, just like I'm fine with you enjoying it. I'm not a NASCAR fan, but God bless the millions of people that love NASCAR. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Absolute insanity. Yeah, it's absolute insanity, but it'll be a big storyline next week for the PGA Championship. Which player from the Live Golf Series will have the best showing at the PGA Championship? Of course, we had a pair of T2s. Phil Mickelson and Brooks Kepke at the Masters. Can they repeat? We'll have much more on that next week for our PGA Championship preview shows. Before we go to break, Mark, some sad news. Don January passed away, 1967 PGA Champion. He was 93 years old, so thoughts and condolences uh, to his family. On the other side, Wells Fargo Championship, a first-time winner on the PGA Tour. And how about some of the ball speeds Wyndham Clark was hitting throughout the week? That was a treat to watch. On the other side, we will debrief and recap his first career PGA Tour victory. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by TaylorMade and the all-new Stealth 2, Stealth 2 Plus, and Stealth 2 HD Carbon Woods. Designed with more carbon for more forgiveness. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Caddy Time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to find affordable, qualified caddies to any round. Visit caddytime.com. Download the app or talk to your PGA professional today. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Scully and Zucchino alongside Wells Fargo Championship. Another designated event is now in the books, and we have our first time winner on the pga tour wyndham clark in dominating fashion this guy was so much fun to see already had five top tens on the season and now he is a pga tour winner before we discuss wyndham clark let's hear from the latest winner on the pga tour when i lost in um in where we in the dominican this year um i was beginning to think that maybe i'll never win. I know that sounds crazy because I've only been on here five years, but I've had a lot of chances to where I was within two or three shots, um, either going into the back nine or starting on a Sunday. And I always seem to fall short. And not only that, but seem like I fell back in positions. And there was multiple texts and calls and times when I was so frustrated with people in my camp where I didn't think I'd ever win. And I was like, let's just stop talking about it because I don't want to, uh, I didn't want to think about it. I said, maybe that's just not in the cards for me um so being in the position this time i was like well you know we we've done everything we know what not to do and so um i really learned from those experiences and i felt like today um you know when i didn't have the best start early on i just told myself to relax it's i've a lot more holes you can't win the tournament after the first few holes and on a sunday so you know, little things where in the past I would have gotten fast and quick and, and already my mind's going forward. And um, 
and so I stayed really patient and present and I think that's what kind of calmed me down and then ultimately when I got into a groove um, helped me propel to make the birdies and, and win this tournament. So, Mark, a $3.6 million prize for Wyndham Clark. Pretty good for his, a guy whose previous biggest payday was $485,000. And, you know, this is a guy who, who's broken through now on the PGA Tour for the first time. But one thing that impressed me the most was the speeds, the ball speeds this guy is hitting. 179 miles per hour with a three-wood? That's unheard of. What impressed you the most about Wyndham Clark this week? Well, I think we've been pointing to his ball speeds to your point, and guys have been calling him, you know, one of the longest players on tour now for quite some time. But for me, what impressed me, Adam, is is how he was able to get over the hurdle mentally, especially with the start on Sunday. Watching those first couple of the holes out of the gates on Sunday, my initial instinct was, oh boy, here we go again. And he has been very open about the work he has had to do behind the scenes on his emotional and mental preparation and attitude towards the game about feeling nervous in the past about not being able to uh, stay in the moment slow things down he's been reading a lot of books dealing with sports psychology etc 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 and on Saturday night he said listen I'm really kind of looking forward to tomorrow Sunday to see if I'm prepared have I taken the steps necessary the work I've put in off the golf course on my nerves, my anxiety, etc. Is it going to change this time? Am I going to be able to perform under the pressure? And out of the gates on Sunday, those first couple of holes, I think the all signs were pointing towards, uh-oh, no. But he was able to calm himself down and calm himself down enough to stay in touch of this golf tournament, like truly not let it get away with them. Even at the point there where it looked like Xander Shoffley was going to, you know, get going and, and get take the, a big lead in this golf tournament. He stayed there. He stayed within, you know, shouting distance, never let it get away from him. And then all of a sudden just calmed down enough to where, you know, that back nine, he was eight under par on the first five holes of the back nine over the weekend. So that's, you know, and laying up on the 14th hole, all that ball speed. He laid up on the 14th hole every day because he just, you know, didn't uh, think it fed, uh, fit his eye. And it turned out that he birdied it both days in a row on the weekend. So, I mean, like, well done, Wyndham Clark. For me, it was an emotional victory for him. The fact that he could just go, hey, I can get this done now under under pressure might open him up. Some of the broadcasters, broadcasters Adam, were relaying this to Max Homa and how Max Homa had his first victory here and he couldn't break out. And now Max Homa's got six wins and suggesting that the lid could come off for a player now as talented as Wyndham Clark. Do you buy into that at all, considering the ball speeds and considering how hard Quail Hollow is? 19 under par around Quail Hollow? Crazy numbers. That's where I was just going to get to before we go to break. And to answer your question, I mean, this guy has tons of potential. The putting stroke to me seems a little, I'm not sure fidgety is the right word, but you look at a guy like Max Homa, who's just got, he's just silky smooth from tee to green, whether he's hitting a driver or hitting a four footer, you know, but Wyndham Clark, it's a, he'll, he'll get there. I think in terms of more wins coming through, but just watching that putting stroke, that's certainly in my perspective anyway, the weak part of his game. But, you know, the, the depth of American golf, too, with a, a Ryder Cup later this year. Look out for a guy like Wyndham Clark. But before we go to break, I have to ask you, because you mentioned Quail Hollow, you mentioned that winning score. We spoke at length uh, during last week's show on Wednesday about just how difficult this golf course is and the winner is going to be single digits under par. These guys tore it up. 
I, it just it makes no sense to me. Uh, there was even a couple of, of breezy afternoons. Uh, I mean, tr- traditionally speaking, the winners 10, 11, 12 under, you know, one guy in double digits, everybody else in single digits. Not sure what happened here. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. It's not an easy golf course, but boy, did they make it look easy. And Xander Shoffley lost his swing and lost his putter simultaneously. And, and Xander Shoffley, very head-scratching second-place finish. But that being said, 15 under par. Any other year, Adam, Sanders Shoffley's winning this golf tournament at 15 under. By the way, three clear of anybody else, even with the problems on Sunday. Yeah, totally. And we'll get into Xander and a couple of the other notables because Xander Shoffley's new pre-shot routine with his left hand sort of waggling it something's going on with him but he still obviously played uh, some great golf we'll get into some of the notables coming up in about 15 minutes time from the wells fargo but on the other side this is going to be a first for us niall horan joins the show uh that's coming up on the other side this is golf talk canada this segment of gtc presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by caddy time the Uber-like app that allows golfers across Canada to add affordable, qualified caddies to any round. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. Visit weathertech.ca. Well, whenever we have pre-show meetings and Bob tells us, well, you know what, I'm interviewing player X or player Y. It's sort of like it's par for the course. Markets are okay. Well, Bob's speaking to whoever, you know, they're going to talk about golf and, you know, and debriefing around that was or previewing a major championship. But I got a text from Bob saying, you know what, next week I'm interviewing Niall Horan. And I, I think my response was, Pardon me? I mean, what? So uh, it, it was certainly interesting when I heard that Bob was interviewing Niall Horan, and we had a, a very interesting uh, group thread conversation. Uh, tell us about that, Mark, in terms of well, what Jeff a- McDonald, right? Jeff McDonald loves this. Our program director here at TSN 1050, and of course Niall Horan from uh, originally from One Direction with uh, uh, what's his name? Oh, come on, Harry. Uh, Styles. Who's, uh, Harry Styles. Nice. Thank you. Styles. Uh, so the band name he came up with is my favorite. Wrong Direction. This is that is the best. <laughs> that you know what? It's funny when you text people, Mark. You know sometimes you throw an LOL in there, or a ha ha. But like, are you truly laughing out loud? No. But that made me cackle. There was some laughter, definitely, uh, definitely involved with that. So Niall Horan was in Toronto to promote his new album, The Show. And, of course, Niall is good buddies with Rory McIlroy. He's a big golfer, too, as we find out in this interview. Here's Bob Weeks with Niall Horan about his new album and about his love for the game of golf. Now, welcome back uh, to Toronto. I know you've been here before a number of times and uh, played golf here. I know about mm-hmm. that. Uh, but we want to talk a little music to start off with mm-hmm. your new album coming out the show. Um, what's the period time between the time you finish recording the album and when it gets out? What's, what goes on in that period? Are you nervous? Are you anxious? What is it? <laughs> it's, it's me handing it to the record label, first of all. Uh, they kind of lead me to my own devices for uh, while I make the record. And then it's handing it in, coming up with uh, all of the creative stuff, the music video ideas, the pictures and all that kind of stuff. And then uh, I wait nervously 
uh, before the release. Um, especially we haven't been away for a few years and not released anything. Uh, I'm a bit touchy this time, um, I hope. <laughs> Keep your fingers crossed for me. Um, I hope the people like it as much as I do. Um, and then just, yeah, just the promotion run I'm on at the moment. I was in Italy, I'm, I'm here in Canada, I'm, um, over to over to Los Angeles in a base. So I'm kind of, I'm doing the rounds at the moment, but yeah, the overriding feeling is nerves. There's there's a lot of personal touches in this in the songs and the lyrics out there. How, how tough is it for you to sort of put yourself out there, make yourself vulnerable to all this? Yeah, I think when I, probably when I was younger, I was probably a bit more closed off, um, and then the older I've gotten, the less I've cared. <laughs> you know what I mean by that in terms of like just giving, yeah, as you say, giving myself across and not being afraid about what people think or say or whatever. Um, I think it makes for better music as well. The more you can give to the game, I guess, and um, yeah, I think I've I've gotten better at it as I've grown up. Reception to the first two releases with uh, that have been out there with Heaven, and mm -hmm. uh, I mean, is it, does it give you some reassurance that everyone's going to love this? It definitely. The reaction has been really great, you know, to to Heaven and and now this new one Meltdown. It's it's um, yeah. The, when you, as I said, when you spend that much time away and then come back, you you don't know whether you know. I know, a, I know. I know for a fact there's a fan base out there of some some sort, but you still have to get the music right. Um, you don't want to be releasing stuff that people are like, oh, "What's he doing here?" <laughs> um, so yeah, I think that it's definitely eased some of that nerves with how things have been received. First line in the chorus in heaven is, uh, "God only knows where this could go," mm -hmm. and I, I say that to myself when I stand on the first tee. There we go. <laughs> I, have no, I have no clue where the ball is going to go. By the way, I think we all have that. We all have that issue. <laughs> That's my transition to just talking a little bit about golfing. You are an avid golfer. You're a crazy golfer, from what I understand. Yeah. I mean, you've gone as far as to start uh, a golf company, which we'll get into, mm -hmm. but. Is golf a way for you to kind of get away? You look at a lot of musical artists, mm. and I'll date myself, but I played golf once with Alice Cooper, who mm. said playing golf kind of saved his life from mm. being on tour. Mm. He would have the whole day free, and he would do things he shouldn't do. But mm -hmm. And Alex Lifeson, the guitarist for Rush. I mean, there's a lot of people who play golf in the music industry as a way to get away. Is that what you do? Yeah, I think, well, the love for golf probably just came from being Irish. <laughs> I mean, just growing up on the island, it's like, it's one of the first things you do. It's like playing hockey here, you know. It's um, Similar type of thing. It's a much, it's a very accessible sport in Ireland. Um, uh, yeah, I, I, and then the older I've gotten, the more of an escape it has been. You know, there was periods, you know, when I first started my career where I couldn't really get out of the hotel and it was very hectic outside and, and things like that. So it was a way of like really getting away from the hotel, getting away from the day job and, and getting out behind the gates of a golf course and just enjoying it for what it was. Um, I've definitely gotten better over the years, which is a good thing. I haven't gone down, I haven't got, gotten worse. Um, so yeah, I just, I do find it as like a, this is not even a joke. I'm looking at my tour for my upcoming tour. I'm planning it now with venues and stuff. And I'm, I'm actually planning it around a golf course that I can play. <laughs> uh, golf course I can play where I can have my days off, you know, things like that. Uh, I don't want to be stuck somewhere where I can't play golf. Um, so yeah, I basically do structure my life around it. <laughs> um, you have a company, Modest Golf, and, and this yeah. is this is something you founded. I really must tell you, I didn't know a lot about <clears> it, but boy, that's a huge company. You're managing players, you're creating events, you've got Terrell Hatton as one of your, your guys out there. What was the, the, the impetus to start that? 
I think it was knowing a lot of people in golf, having a lot of golfer friends, um, spending a lot of time walking up and down the range, realizing that there's a lot of young kids out there that are turning pro or have just turned pro and don't have a lot of access to corporate sponsors, to invites to tournaments, um, don't really know where they're playing week week to week. And I just, as a passionate golf nut, I thought that that would be, this would be a really cool way to have a, a side hustle that I really enjoy. Um, and then it's just gone from gone off leaps, leaps and bounds, you know, we signed, you know, Guido Meliozzi was our first player, he's like the, he was, at the time he was the number one Italian amateur and was winning and then he's won a few times in the European Tour and we kind of accumulated players as we've gone along, fighting hard to get them on, on your uh, agency, it's, it's, it's competitive out there. <laughs> um, and then Tyrrell came along as well and Tyrrell's been a massive name for the company, obviously, you know, a top 20 golfer is, is nice to have and is in fine form right now. I know one of your pals is uh, is Rory. I think, in fact, Rory flew here one time. You guys played up at the National, if I'm not That's mistaken, right. in Toronto. Yeah. So, uh, so what's the game when you play with him? How many strokes does he give you? And have you ever gotten into his pocket? Uh, well, I, do you know what? The t- when I played last time, I played rounds of golf at Rory. I was I was horrific. <laughs> so uh, he probably gave me a thousand shots. I still wouldn't have beat him. <laughs> um, I think I'd have a better chance now. Um, I'm like a solid eight handicapper. I could, if he gave me some shots, I'd give it a go, but I'd have to catch him on a really bad day, wouldn't I? Um, <laughs> he'd basically be one of, he'd want to be swinging hockey sticks, not golf clubs, <laughs> for me to beat him. Um, yeah, we played we played some golf here in Toronto before, actually. He came up, for, came up to a gig here, and we went out and played some golf, and uh, I've got a really good memory, actually. I remember all these, all these guys were out in the balcony of the golf club looking over the 18th, and he was about 100 yards out on, on the 18th fairway, and he just said, watch this just to see if he could get a rise out of the crowd and he hit this wedge and it spun about two feet past the hole and back in. Right <laughs> all, all these guys are out on a Tuesday, you know, for their round of golf and they see Rory McIlroy dunk one in on their local course. You know, I thought that was uh, pretty sweet. <laughs> pretty nice. Uh, you caddy for him at the par three contest at the at the Masters. Yeah, that yeah, years ago. He just asked me. Right he knew I was going to the Masters and he asked what I... He asked what I just caddy for him I was like this is crazy yeah it's just like to be at Augusta for the first time and caddying for I think Rory was number one at the time maybe so like that was just it was insane what, what incredible experience as a, as a golf fan to go to Augusta and to do that with him it was just incredible I won't forget jump, that the jumpsuits are hot though I've been, had oh those on God. aren't they crazy <laughs> it's nuts it's like a sauna bath yeah. in there <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll wrap up I know you're uh, you're an ambassador for the RNA mm. and Golf Canada is the, the composite yeah. for them yeah. They they know that you're you're trying to get more people to play golf, especially young women to yeah. get play in the golf. Would you give a message to Canadian golfers, just telling them to go out and get there and go and play golf? Just pick up golf clubs wherever you can get them. Um, get out there and play. Play with friends. Play with whoever makes you feel comfortable. Um, get out there and hit some balls because I'm telling you, it's addictive. Um, I hit my first ball <laughs> in the '90s and never stopped. So uh, go and play. It's the best game in the world. No, thanks. Cheers, bud. Thanks very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Well, that was pretty cool. There's Bob and Niall Horan. That's, uh, and he's an eight handicap. And I love where he tries to schedule his events around 
his golf game, which, uh, which is pretty cool. So uh, the awesome two things to have, I took from that know. interview, Adam, the two things I took were one, he's his next tour. He is literally scheduling around what golf courses and places mm-hmm. he wants to play. And that two, uh, Bob was very open about how he knows how the jumpsuit is really hot. But Niall was thinking that Bob was talking about wearing a jumpsuit at Augusta. Bob and I have experienced another job, jumpsuit for the hard time that we have done in our lives. You know, the hard times. Wow. <laughs> Breaking news here. Okay. we. I find, you know, every show I learn something new and... That's something new that I just learned here. That's some breaking news uh, here on Golf Talk Canada. Okay, not sure where to segue from that, but I will. Anyway, coming up on the other side, did Mark and I play golf over the weekend? We'll discuss that. We'll discuss 20 weeks of TaylorMade and of much more. That's all coming up next. This this segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by WeatherTech Canada, Canada's leader in automotive accessories. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by TaylorMade. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, home to 80 great courses, 60 miles of sandy shores, endless dining and entertainment. Visit PlayGolfMyrtleBeach.com to start planning your golf trip today. Wrapping up Hour 1 here on GTC, Adam Scully alongside Mark Zacchino. Bob off today, but he'll be back on wednesday mark something we forgot to mention in news and headlines and i know you're just so excited about this june 29th the next edition of the match patrick mahomes travis kelsey clay thompson steph curry i why why are we doing this i have no idea i i kind of lost interest a while ago what was the one? The, the, I I think the last one I watched was Phil Brady Tiger, and was it Manning? Who was the yeah, other quarterback? So, so that, that was Peyton Manning, and that was May of 2020. So that was like in the deep depths of COVID, where that was one of the first sporting events that happened, and that was entertaining. But yeah, like what? Why? Why are we doing this? I I don't understand it. I, I don't know either. Do they think that there's an actual TV audience or interest for this? Like, I can't imagine uh, there being a large lineup of people that care about this. Or are they under contract, obligated to do one more or something along those lines? I don't get it. This makes zero sense to me, especially uh, how crowded the golf schedule is right now. You know, between all the tours and everything going on in the world of golf and we're in a Ryder Cup year and yada, 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 I mean, we don't need extra golf. And that's what this feels like. Yeah, it certainly does. We don't need any extra golf. But here in the GTA, we need golf because golf season is finally here. And last week, Mark, you teased us and you said you might be making your debut on Canadian soil. So let everybody know. Everyone's been on the edge of their seats waiting to find out. Did Mark Sacchino play golf in Toronto? Well, if everyone on the edge of their seats means Bob and you, then maybe, mm-hmm. right? Yes. <laughs> yes. I played nine holes on Friday, like advertised. I, uh, we had our uh, men's opening at the Toronto Hunt Club on Friday. And it was nine holes, uh, blind partners, net, and then, uh, and then a dinner. And we had a ton of fun. And I did play nine. It was a little cooler than I anticipated down there by the lake. 
but yeah, it was great. The course wintered exceptionally well. I mean, wow. Um, there's no, there's really no dead spots out there. Winter was kind of the property property. I was surprisingly pretty good. Uh, I kept things very simple you know, it's amazing, Adam. I wish I played golf in the summer and, or even more so towards the end of the year, more like I do in the spring, go out there in the spring and I don't overswing and I play within myself and I keep it simple and I don't try to hit crazy shots. I just go A to B and I hit, you know, eight greens of nine. I missed one green and made one bogey. Um, I'm trying to remember where I made the bogey. Oh, and the one green I missed, I, I made bogey. And uh, it was a stupid tee shot at the par three. And uh, I played great. I played great. So simple. Made a few putts, bunch of birdies. I was like, why don't we play like this all the time? A to B. As the season rolls on, as the speed increases, as you start to feel better physically with the heat and the warmth, all of a sudden you think you're Rory McIlroy, right? All of a sudden you think you're, you know, PJ Tour player and you're out there hitting shots or trying to hit shots. And, and, you know, trying to hit it an extra five yards further and blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden, you're out of sorts. I need to remember this, Scully. I need to remember. Just keep it simple. What I think we're going to do, and I'll tell Chris on the board here, to send you that audio clip, and you're going to replay <laughs> that every time you walk or drive to golf and maybe have, you know, like the M&M lose yourself sort of theme under it and just sort of just to get you nice and riled. Maybe, maybe the Rocky soundtrack, perhaps. Or no, good. I'm glad you got out and played. I also played. I also played this week, too, I was going to ask you about the shorts again. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, I, I got some flack because I, you know what, I decided to throw the white shorts on. It's what, What's the rule before Victoria Day? You're not supposed to do it? I don't really care. You know, I'm, I'm a little different. I, I know no white after Labor Day. Is that a thing? I think that's I, Well, so it used to be you had to wait for the official start of summer, and then you couldn't wear it again after Labor Day. But I don't think those rules still apply. I think that is... Uh, the like no, the, currently that that's no longer a fashion faux pas. I don't believe. In mm. fact, there's things like winter white that a lot of oh. the the ladies uh, love, and there are oh. men's suits now in winter white. And you know, as an Italian, Adam, I mean, there's a whole different set of rules for myself right. versus uh, versus the others. So yes. Yes. So to answer your question, yes, I did wear shorts on uh, on Saturday morning, and I've been going through some swing changes with our dear friend Ralph Bauer, who has been on this show many times. Of course, he's the director of instruction at Hamilton Golf and Country Club. He has the Tour uh, Read Pro app as well to help you read greens, but obviously he's a swing coach too. And he very kindly has looked at a couple of videos of mine and has given me some subtle changes. So you know, you know my game, Mark. In terms of uh, sporadic, the dispersion can be about 12,000 yards from left or right, depending on which way the body's going. And what he has implemented for me is to stand a little taller because I'm about 6'4 and a quarter, depending on how high my heels are in my golf shoes. But sometimes my dress shoes are a little higher than most. But So I, I'm about 6'4 and sometimes I tend to hunch over a little bit. And he's added some knee flex. Uh, trying to be on the balls of my feet, so my my uh, weight forward, and uh, I Saturday Sunday seventy four seventy four for me. So I have wow, found it's good scoring. For, for and I didn't putt well too, which was which was interesting. So I have found that the changes are getting they're ingrained with me a little more. I'm standing a little further away from the ball, very slightly, 
trying to get the weight forward. And I'm finding, Mark, that I'm hitting my short irons, my wedges. It's a better ball flight. It's, they're going farther. It's not this weak shot to the right. I am right. able to draw the ball a lot more because I'm staying on top of it versus sort of hanging back. And for those who have an issue that I have in terms of, and that a lot of people have, in terms of the natural motion at the top is to come over the top and sort of karate chop it and then sort of thrust your hips forward versus rotating your your butt and your chest and your legs through. Ralph gave me a very simple drill, and all you need is a chair. So if you put a chair behind you and rest it, just keep your keep your butt on it on the chair and just rotate through and that'll help you rotate through the ball use the ground obviously a guy like Rory McIlroy uses the ground exceptionally well because he's what 5 foot 8 on a really 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 good day and he he bombs it mark so if if you're looking for a drill all you need is a chair you know it's funny because i'm i i've been fighting the same thing the last year or two it's it's early extension it's thrusting the hips up and out instead of instead of into the squat and a rotation and for me adam it started with my lower back you know as i as i had less mobility annually than the previous year and the back got worse and the back got worse i had less mobility in my hips and way more lateral sway. And then because of that, I, I was, you know, having early extension where I'd kind of get up and out of it on my toes and thrust north. Now I got away with it with driver because we're hitting it so much on the upswing with driver and launching it high with no spin. But that's what led to so much inconsistent, inconsistent ball striking with the irons. It also what uh, led to me continuously pushing the ball position up in my stance where sometimes I'd be lost in the golf course in the middle of summer where the golf ball had crept so far onto my forward foot because of the early extension and the slide. So I, I understand everything you're going through. I understand everything you're working on and I'm working on some similar things. I'm trying to creep the ball back, especially with the irons, get the ball a little further back in the stance, get a lot of tension in my thighs so I get a lot of stress into a, in my lower thigh, into my thighs. So I'm wide in my stance and gotten, gotten lower to the ground in a squat in anticipation of hopefully using my lower body better and not getting that early extension. So I'm going to try the chair drill uh, if I ever get to a driving range because um, I think it would be a good drill for me because I'm working on similar things. And it makes sense to me. By the way, if you're going to have some weight on the balls of your toes or balls of your feet, it makes sense to me that uh, from, a, from a, a static position in your setup that you're starting a little slightly further away from the golf ball. Because if you're then going to get into that athletic forward lean like a, like a linebacker and get into the balls of your feet, if, you've already kind of creeped forward. So you got to get a little further back to then creep forward and get into a better athletic position. So everything you're talking about makes a ton of sense to me, and I can't wait to get out and play golf with you. On the other side of the PGA Championship, we got to get out and play. We got to make that a priority, and we'll have Ralph on the show as well, perhaps on radio soon. We, we'll we'll do something on TV as well about how we got to get out to Hamilton in the summer with the cameras. We're going to do something with our friends at Foresight, and because yep. Ralph's a Foresight ambassador, mm -hmm. so we'll get my GC quad. We'll get Ralph. The three of us will go out there, and uh, and we'll get his app, and we'll uh, let's break down some instructional stuff that we can use throughout the summer on Golf Talk Canada TV.
Sounds like a plan to me. Can't wait for that. Okay, that wraps up Hour 1 here on GTC. To kick off Hour 2, our golf analyst Kristen Murphy is going to join us. She'll help recap the Wells Fargo. We'll discuss Brooke Henderson and discuss maybe Murph's early part of her golf season because I know she has played in some rainy conditions and battled through. We'll also hear from Brandon Wu and we'll have winners weird and what. All that and more coming up on Hour 2 right here on Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC presented by TaylorMade was brought to you by Play Golf Myrtle Beach, the golf capital of the world. Thank you for listening to Hour 1 of GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network. This is Hour 2 of Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. Why Picton Mahoney? Visit PictonMahoney.com. Now, here are your hosts, Mark Zucchino, Bob Weeks, and Adam Scully. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada, Hour 2, the second nine here on GTC. Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Coming up in Hour 2, we'll have winners, weird and what. We'll have leaderboard updates from around the world of golf. And we go one-on-one with Brandon Wu, who's had some close calls this season on the PGA Tour, including most recently at the Mexico Open. But for much more on the Wells Fargo Championship and a look ahead to next week at the PGA Championship 2, our golf analyst Kristen Murphy now joins us again here on GTC. Murph, how are you this morning? Um, aside from the Leafs performance last night, pretty good, pretty good. Why? Why? You know, it was going so well here. We were positive for an hour, Mark and I. You know, okay, okay, okay. You know, well, what, Murph, look. I mean, yeah, I go blame for it. this on Mark because I'm here. I am positive Monday. The sun is shining. It looks like ideal conditions to golf in the GTA. And then Mark's blowing up the whole Toronto Maple Leaf system from the top <laughs> to the bottom. Murph, I'm there. It's time. I'm sick of chasing the president's uh, trophy. Like, who I know. cares? I mean, I know. these guys keep proving that the, when it counts and the chips are down, I just don't see the heart. I don't see the will t- to get it done. I, I mean, I hate talking like this because it's a super talented group of people. I'm a leaf nut, but, you know, I'm 48 years old, never seen them win anything. The most mm-hmm. endearing team that I've ever had is the Gilmore and Clark Leafs of the early 90s. Like, that's what we rave about. That's what we feel passionate about the team. The team that almost gave us a parade. I'm done. It's sad. It's pathetic. It's it's over, Murph. Time to blow her up. I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I'm, uh, I'm sorry I had to go there. Let's Let's move past it. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I know that's that's fine. That's fine. But we got we got to get some leaf talk in. There, there's we have uh, you know every hour we got to get something in. But anyway, let's get back to the uh, the Wells Fargo and a dominating victory by Wyndham Clark. Now, uh, Murph, you were doing you're writing the Sports Center highlight packs uh, throughout the weekend uh, for this tournament. Uh, what did you see from Wyndham Clark that impressed you the most throughout the week? 
Well, I don't think at the beginning of the week, most people would have picked Wyndham Clark to win in such a decisive fashion. I know he's been performing well this season, five top tens. So it didn't come out of nowhere, this win. But I think given that it was an elevated event, you've got the likes of Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, Rory McIlroy in the mix. So I'm not sure he was anybody's front runner, but Mark touched on it in the last hour and the difference between mentally playing with a lead on a Sunday versus chasing a lead. And I think it calls into question what a player's strategy should be. Do you stick with what got you there in the first place? Adam, you mentioned his swing speeds all week, super impressive. Or do you dial it back and try and protect that lead? Maybe play a little bit more conservatively, especially on a track like Quail Hollow, where there's water lurking, especially down the stretch. Um, And it seemed to me that, Things were heading a bit south early for Wyndham. He bogeys the first hole. He's paired with Xander Shoffley and their friends. And so Wyndham knows all about Shoffley's wins and, you know, seven-time winner on the PGA Tour. Probably not the guy you want right behind you on the leaderboard. But Clark kept it together. He kept it under control. And he pulled off some great shots down the stretch. He also got a couple lucky bounces here and there. But that's always going to happen when it's your week. So I think... The next question for Clark will be, where does this go next? Um, It took a little while to get this first win, but as we've seen before, Mark, you mentioned Max Homa. Sometimes you get that first win under your belt and the floodgates open. Also, Tony Finau comes to mind. So very interesting to see where Clark goes from here. And uh, notably now that he is $3.6 million richer. Yeah, that's a, that's a crazy number. I guess at the end of the day, there are some silver linings from you know, live and what it's done for players on the PGA tour. I still question where this money eventually is going to come from. And I'm, I'm worried about that, but that's a whole other story. I'm curious Murph on what happened here this week. Last week I went on a rant about how quail hollow Riviera. Um, what was the other course I mentioned? There's like a uh, Murfield Murfield uh, village. Like these golf courses are incredible. They're three of the best golf courses on the PGA tour year in and year out. How you can just, you know, show up any week at quail hollow and just have a major like we do at Riviera and look at, you'll likely have one person in double digits somewhere between 10 and 14, 14 under possibly two. And, and that individual is going to win that golf tournament, like 12, 13 under. 19 under par. Mm-hmm. Xander Shoffley shoots 15 under and loses this golf tournament. And any other year he wins. And by the way, three clear of then Harris and Hatton at 12. What happened here, Murph? How did, how did all of a sudden Quail Hollow go to a race to 20 under? I don't know. I mean, Wyndham certainly bombs it off the tee and out of the swing speed was there all week. And so I think sometimes it's just a matter of things aligning for the right guy at the right time. And, Wyndham Clark's story is is so great, too. I mean, he battled through some issues in the past, almost thought about quitting golf. His mother passed away when he was just beginning his college career and almost walked away from the game. And then he made some changes. You know, he focused a lot more on the mental aspect. And I think we're hearing so much more about that when we look at Rory McIlroy and some of the other players on tour that have come out and spoken about the grind um, that is the PGA Tour schedule And um, I just think anything can happen any given week. And because it's such a long, grueling haul, maybe that's sometimes why you see the guys that are in the spotlight all the time, the Justin Thomases, the Rory McIlroys, they falter at times. And maybe they're already thinking about the next major, which is obviously just around the corner. And that allows for the perfect storm, the perfect circumstances 
for a guy like Wyndham Clark to break through for the first time on the PGA Tour. We're in conversation with our golf analyst, Kristen Murphy, and we're going to get to the PJ Championship in just a little bit, which is next week, which is awesome. Another major coming up. But, Murph, I got to ask you, because there are some uh, some shenanigans, especially <laughs> during the third round, and uh, I had the honor of reading the highlights that you wrote on, on SportsCenter on Saturday night, and we saw Ricky Fowler with a snake. We saw Rory McIlroy hitting a tee <laughs> shot and a fan taking his golf ball and running for his dear life. Yes. Like, what, yes. What, what happened? Yeah. I know, like, act like you've been there. Don't touch the ball. It was it's just a crazy maneuver. And then the best was that fan's reaction. Throws his hands up, like, who, me? Like, there are 50 people standing around you that know it was you. It was it was certainly wild. I mean, I, I don't really understand. the, the And the snake, Mark, did, did you see what Fowler with the snake? I, I didn't see this. I, I'm looking okay. for it now as you guys are talking about it. I didn't see it. And, and I okay. noticed that I believe Ricky Fowler snuck into the top 50 in the world. Yes, uh, yes for the he first did. Time. Yeah, which is very cool. But I'm glad you brought up uh, PGA Championship, uh, Adam, because I don't know, Murph, if you, got, if you saw our TSN edge picks this week, but I got hammered. I got destroyed <laughs> this week, especially coming out of a week where I, I was all proud of myself for having a, a victory and, and, and getting my fourth win of the year. Uh, I was all over Jordan Spieth. I was uh, all over Jason Day. I got two missed cuts with the, those guys this week. Hovland at least got it in the red, but I mean, I've been very high on Jordan Spieth because I think he's done everything this year but win, and I'm a romantic at heart and want to see a career grand slam in a couple of weeks at the PGA championship. Like who doesn't want to see that? But after this performance this week, I'm, I'm starting to scratch my head and have I been wrong on Jordan speed? So I'm going to ask you this. You, you cannot take John Rom and you cannot take Scotty Scheffler currently on FanDuel. They're plus 750 and plus 850 as the top two favorites. So I have them clear cut on a different planet than everybody else right now in the world of golf. So if I remove John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler, we're just over a week away. We're going to put the ball on the ground at Oak Hill. Who's on your radar? Who's the favorite in your mind if you were selecting tomorrow? And I can't, I can't let you have those two players. Okay. All right. That's fine. I'm going to go Justin Thomas. It's been a weird season so far for JT, but overall he had a pretty good week, especially his first two rounds um, at the Wells Fargo. He looked pretty locked in, and he's obviously had success at Quail, but his back nine on Sunday left a lot to be desired after starting the day four under. He carded four bogeys on the back, so I'm going to try and just push that out of my mind because I do think that JT is tracking in the right direction, and I like him to defend at the PGA. You know, it's so funny that you went with JT. He's just kind of creeping up on my radar. Scully, <laughs> to Murph's point, look at the strokes gain putting, okay? Because he started using aim point a couple of weeks ago to read his putts and whatnot. And he's never used aim point before. And in a Golf Digest article this week, he said, it's nice to stop the guesswork on the greens. I just have a green reading system in place now. I'm going to throw out Sunday just like Murph and say, okay, let's just not put too much weight in what happened on the back nine. Look at the strokes gain putting for the first three days at Quail Hollow. 
a 1.4 shots better than the field on Thursday, over a half shot better than the field on Friday, over a half shot better than the field. He was three days in a row strokes gained positive in putting. I can't tell you guys the last time Justin Thomas had three days in a row getting shots on the field with the putter. So, Murph, you might be on to something here. I appreciate the confidence. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Well, so Justin Thomas right now on FanDuel plus 2100 to win next week's PGA Championship tied for the fifth shortest odds with Jordan Spieth and Brooks Kepka. Now that is pretty spicy. Murph, in your mind. So we saw, you know, the live tour at the Masters and a lot of talk going into that week, of course, where we're going to see some scraps where we're going to see people go toe to toe. No, we did not. But we saw a couple of live players, (laughs) Kepka and Phil Mickelson, finishing T2. I know we're a week out. Who in your mind has the best chance of the live players to make the most noise at the PGA Championship? I have to go with Brooks Kepka. We saw what he did at the Masters. It was oh so close. And I think he's playing some of the best golf of those live guys. Um, so, yeah, maybe it's kind of the captain obvious pick, but I, uh, I stand by it. Yeah, we don't know uh, some of the alterations that have been done to Oak Hill. We're going to talk to Andrew Green. and Actually, I'm talking to him later today who did the renovation at Oak Hill, and we're going to run that interview next week on radio and TV. And he's kind of put a little bit of the Donald Ross back in the design. But from all indications, to Murph's point, this is still a really big, big ballpark. And you're going to have to drive it long, and you're going to have to drive it straight. So why not Kepka? Okay, Murph, before we let you go, i got to ask you something way more important than all this PGA Tour championship (laughs) garbage. I want to know how the start of your season has been, because I think you've been out way more than I have. Uh, um, Obviously, I'm a much more delicate flower than the rest of the Golf Talk Canada team, because you guys have all played more than I have. Uh, So that's a pretty fair uh, assumption. How's the game? Where have you played? What are the wins? What are the losses so far in your spring golf campaign? Well, I have to say I certainly haven't played as much golf as I feel like I should have by this point already. But as we know, we can't control the weather. And it is what it is. I don't seek out playing in two degrees. But last week, I was in a tournament. So never going to back out of the tournament. It was also at Wooden Sticks. Never going to turn down around there. Great track. But as I'm driving to Uxbridge... The further north I get, the temperature on my car, it's just showing me. Like, we're getting below five now. Now it's four. And I actually had to call up a friend who lives five minutes from the course and ask her for some layers of clothing because I was (laughs) ill-prepared. And so right away I'm going, you know, all of this is very distracting. How could I possibly play well? But I was actually very happy with my game. I hit a lot more golf balls over the winter um this year than i ever have before and it turns out if you practice your game improves who knew wow now did i see too that uh wooden sticks did you guys have like a a cart door thing protector plastic wow yes so uh we were lucky enough to play with a lovely lady in our group whose husband is a super and so he hooked us up with these plastic cart covers so we were in these bubbles And we were as warm as we could have been. And honestly, we were getting some dirty looks because it was a little bit cushy, our setup. All we needed was like a little space heater, maybe some Baileys. And, you know, the weather would not have been an issue whatsoever. But, yeah, um, it was was a unique setup and uh, very appreciative of that setup. 
Wow. Well, uh, Murph, hopefully the next time you get out and play, we get some uh, some nicer uh, temperatures. And we're going to play some golf soon. I know that as well. Uh, the golf season's just around the corner. And uh, you'll be back with us at some point next week, too, as we preview the PGA Championship a little more in depth. Can't wait for that. Murph, thanks for your time today. Good luck with uh, your assignment today on the production side of things with Golf Talk Canada Television. It'll be a great show, as always. Thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, guys. Go Leafs, go. Kristen Murphy, there you go. We started on a negative with the Leafs, but we ended on a positive with the Maple Leafs. Mark, what do you think? Remind me, Adam, if we have time later in the show in the final segment, I've got a funny story about zipping up a golf cart uh, and uh, very similar to what uh, Murph was talking about. Remind me of that. Oh, boy. Well, uh, you'll have to, everyone, to take a look at Murph's Instagram page where she gives uh, daily uh, video picks on and previews on that week in the world of golf. It's an exciting time in the world of golf with the PGA Championship. And then we got a very busy stretch, U.S. Open, RBC Canadian Open, a bunch of designated events, LPGA majors, the works. Coming up on the other side, we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to chat with Brandon Wu. He's had a couple of great finishes so far on the PGA to (laughs) this is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC was presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. For over 15 years, our focus has been on helping Canadians stay invested in all market conditions, including this one. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. Learn more about their award-winning golf course and growing community. Visit CobbleBeach.com today. Boy, oh boy, can't wait to get to Cobble Beach. A lot of great feedback from our interview last week, Mark, you did with Warren Thomas at Cobble Beach. Can't wait to get up to Cobble beach well as you all know uh, adidas and uh, we're, we're dear friends with adidas golf and back in february i was at the adidas global launch event taking a look at their new apparel new shoes for 2023 and while i was there i had a chance to speak with brandon Wu. he has two top tens on the pga tour so far this season i chatted with him about his expectations for the year as well as wearing some of the new adidas products Please be joined by Brandon Wu and Brandon. We're here at the Adidas Global Launch. How exciting is this for you? This is awesome. You know, it's fun to be here in LA playing a golf tournament, but also come to a global event for Adidas and Adidas Golf. So I'm super excited to be out here. And one of the new uh, shoes this year is the ZG23. How do you like these new shoes, and are you comfortable in them yet? Yeah. So I actually, this is my first time seeing them as well. Uh, but you know, I've been wearing the old ZGs for a couple year or two now, and I, I really love them because. They're super stable on the golf course, but uh, also for me, it's super important to just feel good after walking so many holes, uh, you know, playing all those days in a row, playing 18 holes and feeling comfy on your feet and uh, feeling good in your body. What's the testing process like for you? Like, do you think you'll be able to bring the shoe into play right away or do you need a week, 10 days, a month sort of thing to get ready and, and fit that way? Yeah, so honestly, one thing with the Adidas shoes that's been really easy is they don't really need that much time to break in. Um, like last week, I had a new pair of shoes, just threw them in, played a tournament in them. And uh, it's nice to have that confidence that you don't have to worry about, oh, is it going to hurt my feet if I don't break them in? Do I need to play a few rounds in them? Um, so yeah, they've been really good about that. And I, I'm really looking forward to these new pairs. So you've been with Team Adidas now for a little bit of time. What is your favorite thing about being a member of Team Adidas? 
I think being part of a you know globally recognized sports brand is, is super awesome. You know, I think this past summer watching the World Cup and Messi wearing Adidas on Argentina and winning the World Cup, like how cool is that to be part of the same brand, part of the same family as him? And uh, you know, for an athlete, it's it's a dream come true to be part of a brand like Adidas. As we record, we're early on in the PGA Tour season. How would you assess your play so far? You know, I. This year, the biggest thing, uh, biggest goal for me is to be more consistent, and that started with making more cuts. So, so far, I've been able to do that. I struggled a little bit in the fall, kind of playing well on the weekends and finishing on it off. But, uh, you know, I had my best finish of the year a couple weeks ago at Pebble Beach, so I was super excited with that. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to the rest of the year. That's amazing. So, and you're, you're relatively freshly out of college, too. How much have you evolved both as a player and a person since graduating from college? Honestly, as a player, so, so much. You know, it's crazy because I've been thinking, I've been playing golf for all these years, but I've learned so much these last few years as a professional, um, just how to be a professional, how to play every week, how to compete against the best in the world, you know. So it's been really cool. And as a person, yeah, yeah, I think... One story is like I uh, when I first turned pro, I, I you know I, it wasn't that I didn't work hard, but I was like oh, I want to play golf, but I want to like have fun with it or whatever. But now I'm like really invested in it. Like I try to do everything I can to try to be the best golfer that I can be, and you know it's fun to put all this work and energy into into your craft, you know, and try to be the best that you can. So I, I've been really happy with that. Have there been anyone on tour who you've who sort of taken you under their wing and who's helped you with the transition being on the PGA Tour as a youngster now? Yeah, I think one person that I've become quite close with is Patrick Rogers. He went to Stanford as well. Um, he was a little bit before my time, but he's had some success on the PGA Tour. Um, and then, you know, a contemporary is Colin Morikawa. We were the same year in college um, and, you know, just kind of trying to follow his footsteps as best I can. So uh, it, it's been fun having him around and yeah. And last one for you, you know, given, you know, your good start, good finishes, you mentioned Pebble Beach. What are your expectations now for the rest of the year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, just go out and compete and try to play the best that I can. I think it's sometimes hard to just focus on yourself and not get caught up in what other people are doing and uh, everything that goes on in being a professional golfer. But, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I'm just trying to build my own confidence and be the best player that I can be. But uh, hopefully, yeah, try to win on the PGA Tour this season. Well, Brandon, thanks for joining us today. All the best here for the rest of the year. Perfect. Thank you so much. Well, since that interview aired, Brandon had a close call at the Mexico Open where he came up just short against Tony Finau and John Rahm. Some great company, that's for sure. Okay, coming up on the other side, lots of shenanigans going on in the world of golf. It is winners, weird and what, and it is coming up next. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Cobble Beach, Georgian Bay's extraordinary waterfront golf resort community. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Cadillac. Experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. Book your tour at cadillac.ca slash live. Welcome back inside Golf Talk Canada. Scully and Zacchino here on this lovely Monday morning in the GTA. Well, it is our favorite time of the show. It is winners, weird, and what? And this week, Mark, you have the tea. I'll answer the question. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. 
All right, Skulls. Well, you know, last week we were chatting a little bit about keeping our eye on the DP World Tour. Why? Because it was the Italian Open, and they were playing it at Marco Simone Golf Club in Rome. Of course, that's where Ryder Cup is going to be later on this year. And I was kind of excited to see a little preview of the Ryder Cup. But my winner, Adrian Moronk, the Polish power Adrian Moronk, his third National Open title now. Four rounds in the 60s to win on the DP World Tour. And he has vaulted to fifth on the European points list for Ryder Cup. Tenth on their world points list. And at this point in time for this uh, long-hitting Polish star, looks like he's going to make this Ryder Cup team, Adam. And I've got to think that if you're Luke Donald and you know, you know, what cards you have been dealt with players resigning from the DP world tour and yada, yada, the the history with live over the last season or so. I think you're thrilled to see a young player grab another national open, get it done on the golf course where you're going to have to play Ryder cup four rounds in the sixties. I think Morocco now almost a lock for this team. And if you're Luke Donald, you got to be loving this. Well, especially for a couple of reasons. You mentioned his length off the tee. He is an absolute bomber of the golf ball. But you go on and you win at the same golf course where the Ryder Cup's being held. And I know, obviously, the setup will be altered a little bit. But a win is a win is a win. And this reminds me, too, back prior to the 2016 Ryder Cup where Thomas Peters was a relative no-name and he had a good week. He was one of the lone bright spots that week on that uh, European Ryder Cup team. He partnered with Rory McIlroy for a couple of sessions. So uh, Adrian Moronk, kudos on a great week. All right, now speaking of live, and, and earlier in the show, you and I were chatting a little bit about you know Bryson DeChambeau and Matt Jones being the only two golfers left in the lawsuit against the PGA Tour with Liv after Peter Uline pulled pulled the shoot on it. Well, out of the 17 golfers that were members of the DP World Tour that were fined 100,000 pounds by the DP World Tour as a penalty for uh, breaking their players' agreement with the tour, Sergio Garcia is the only player of the 17 to not play the not pay the fine. And by all reports, it suggests that Sergio has no intention of paying the fine whatsoever. Now, since then, he, Poulter, and Westwood have resigned their membership to the DP World Tour, so they plan to never play DP World Tour again, which eliminates them from things like Ryder Cup, Ryder Cup captaincies, etc. I find this so strange, Adam. I'm, I, I find it strange on many fronts. One, he's the only guy. Two, if you were going to resign your membership, why would you pay? Like, what's the legal ramifications of not paying if you're going to resign your membership to begin with? And now the DP World Tour is suggesting that they're going to take further action against Garcia if he doesn't pay. What weight do they carry for a player who's no longer a member of their tour? Like, can the Maple Leafs find a hockey player playing in the Swedish Elite League? Because that's what this sounds like to me. This whole thing's bizarre. It's very bizarre, and yeah, I'm not really sure how to how to add to that. I mean, it's I, I don't understand. I don't That's understand so, the legalities yeah. of this. It doesn't make sense, no. does it? No, we're, we're both well, not lawyers. Spoiler alert: we're both not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, and my what? And this isn't great for radio, but we're going to run this on Golf Talk Canada Television this week. 
Tony Romo in a USGA US Open local qualifier gets announced to the tee and proceeds to take a full minute to hit his tee shot. Now, a minute doesn't sound maybe like a ton of time to a lot of our listeners. But when you physically see what a minute looks like, and you physically see what a player goes through to take a minute from the time they start the player announcement to the time they have completed their strike of the golf ball, a minute is an eternity. It is unbelievable. Adam, they announced Tony Romo. He then goes to the tee with his caddy and takes out a bushnell and shoots downrange, I guess, a target in the fairway. Then they talk about it. Then they go back to the bag, pull a club, go to the tee, start your pre-shot routine, go in and hit your opening tee shot. This is an opening tee shot. This is a tee shot, by the way, that you have known you're going to have for months. You, by the time you get to that tee, you should know what it is to the bunker, what it is to this, what it is to that. This is not a second shot where you found yourself in the left rough and you want to know what it is to cover the front edge of the green. Absolutely bizarre. He took a ton of heat on social media about it, Tony Romo. We'll run it for you in Winners Weird and What this week on Golf Talk Canada TV. And it, you know what? I don't like the Cowboys to begin with. So this is, as a 49er fan, it's really easy for me to just dump on anything Dallas at any given time. All right, Adam, the T is yours. 348. Oh. <laughs> oh, man, that is sweet. Yeah, we'll have to discuss if we want to play that video out in real time, maybe speed it up a little bit, maybe discuss many <laughs> things you can do in, in a minute. And it actually it reminds me to... Mark, of uh, the 2019 Open Championship when J.B. Holmes was on the first tee and took a month and a half to hit that first tee shot, hit it out of bounds en route to a smooth final round, 87. The only player (laughs) in the field that week not to have a round in the 70s. Yikes. Okay, anyway, getting to my three-dub this week. My winner this week goes to Gino Benelli, who... Had a lot of great, uh, you know, lines from the PGA Tour Netflix series, Full Swing. No one's a great personality. Now, there was some caddy news last week with Joe LaCava going to Patrick Cantlay full-time. So, Gino Benelli took to Twitter and said, hey, Tiger Woods, and then included a gif of uh, Joey from Friends saying, how you doing? So, basically <laughs> implying, hey, Tiger. What do you think? So Gino Benelli shooting his shot, which he did do once with Rory McIlroy before back in the day, too. I, I thought this was great, Mark. Not sure if you saw this. I saw it. I love it. He's great. There's no chance he's leaving Joel David, by the way. This is all this is all fun and games, but I did see it. Such a cool personality. And uh, it will be interesting, all joking aside, to see if, if reports are accurate, Adam, and Tiger is not retiring and Tiger is going through all of this so he can get back to playing three, four times competitively, uh, who will be on the bag when that mm-hmm. time comes? Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, looking forward to seeing what happens when and hopefully when that time uh, does come. Okay, my weird this week, we talk about nutrition from time to time on this show, players trying new things, you know, um, Keegan Bradley 
with the diet he's been on. He's down 30 pounds. Well, Justin Thomas unveiled or revealed that he is currently on a diet where last year he just felt a little off. Now, JT has just turned 30. Welcome to the club, JT. And he has said that he's eating a lot of, he's been, you know, talking with some different doctors, consuming a lot of steak, chicken, fish, rice, and vegetables. If he's having salads, he knows what's exactly in the salad or in the dressing and in the salad altogether. But he has said that he is craving a piece of pizza that is doused in ranch. That's a quote like no other. So JT <laughs> trying something new here, Mark, with the with the nutrition. I mean, you know me, I'm big into the intermittent fasting, which has worked wonders for me personally. But uh, you in, in terms of uh, nutrition, what do you think about JT taking a different road here? I'm scared he's going to fade away. I mean, there's not much there to JT. He's got to watch it if he's just going to do chicken and vegetables. I mean, he better be eating about 6,000 calories in chicken and vegetables for him to maintain his weight because he's a rake to begin with. I mean, I, I, he better get into the Zaw. I think that might be a good call, uh, pizza at least once a week. I got to get back, though, Adam. I got to get back on the uh, the intermittent fasting and get back at things. I've, I've been on the uh, full-time red wine diet the last oh. two weeks, and... Uh, mm -hmm. Starting to feel right. it a little bit. So got to clean my act up for the spring here, Skulls. Is that where you go? Like, is that Brunello and Honey Nut Cheerios sort of mixed together? How does <laughs> that a, no, it's like a, it's a rotation of uh, Brunello into Pinot Noir, into mm -hmm. the Odd Cab, back to Brunello. And, right. uh, of course, uh, any form of red meat. Uh, pra oh, near almost not cooked at all. Like the rarer you can throw it at me. This has basically been the diet, and I wonder why my body's suggesting maybe some water and some greens might be the play this week. Well, we mentioned in hour one how I, I learn something every week on this show. Mark Sacchino, Justin Thomas diets are polar opposites right now so that's uh, that's something okay my what this week it's great to see some uh some sons of pga tour players sort of make their way in the world of golf and that's what cameron kuchar is currently doing 15 year old son of matt of course and he took his next step trying to qualify for the u.s open shot a three under 69 at a u.s open local qualifier last week next up a 36 hole qualifier for Cameron Kuchar. Now, I'm not sure, Mark, if you've seen Cameron swing, but he's got he's got a lot of hair, and every time he hits a driver, his hat comes off. <laughs> I mean, a couple different this. things here. Like maybe get a haircut or you know buy a bigger hat perhaps we're going to play this out on television on wednesday 1 p.m tsn just to really take a deep dive into this now i know you bob and i we all don't have a lot of hair to begin with but well you more than the you and bob more than i for sure right. but well I, that's you're not I, but wrong even at my best even at my best adam uh, even at my full uh, Gino uh, Zacchino young man quaff, yeah, uh, my Richard Greco days, that'll go right over your head. Um, I could still keep a hat on at all times. I have never had these. I can't wait to see this video. <laughs> wow, yeah, we'll play this out on, on television, and it's it's crazy how much this kid has grown. I mean, we see, it's cool, too, in that in that PNC championship at the end of December to watch how, how players' sons and daughters have, have grown and, and matured, really, in terms of size. And Cameron Kuchar, he's a tall dude now. And, I mean, there's, like his, like his dad, Matt, they're both very tall. And uh, looking forward to seeing if Cam Kuchar can, can break through and qualify 
for the U.S. Open. Okay, coming up on the other side, we'll have leaderboard updates from around the world of golf. We'll update you on 20 weeks of TaylorMade because we are giving away a Stealth 2 Plus driver, and it's free. We'll have that and much more coming up next. This is Golf Talk Canada. This segment of GTC, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management, was brought to you by Cadillac. Cadillac, experience Cadillac. Join one of our agents for a personalized virtual live tour of Cadillac SUVs, sedans, and EVs. This is Golf Talk Canada, presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management. This segment of GTC is brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Wrapping up this morning's edition of Golf Talk Canada, Adam Scully alongside Mark Sacchino. Time now for leaderboard updates. Leaderboard updates are brought to you by Bushnell Golf, the number one rangefinder in the world of golf. Visit bushnellgolf.com for much more. Mark, lead us away. Let's look at the Champions Tour. Why not start there, Scully, because we've got a Canadian victory. Stephen Ames, his fourth win on the Champions Tour. He's 59 years old, still getting it done. It's a walk-off, four-shot victory over Miguel and Al Jimenez. Well done for Stephen Ames. Not a bad week for Team Canada at the Wells Fargo. We'll get to that in a second. Wyndham Clark, finally a winner on the PGA Tour. It's his maiden voyage as a winner. $3.6 million, a four-shot win over Xander Shoffley for Wyndham Clark, who incredibly shot 19 under par at Quail Hollow. It's a T8 finish for Corey Connors. Looks like Corey Connors' ball striking has come right back around to where we expect it. And Adam Svensson had himself a decent week. It's not the Sunday he was looking for. The 75 on Sunday, very disappointing, but he still manages a T27. Uh, needed to correct that Sunday, could have really got some damage done. But the shocker for Team Canada at the Wells Fargo, Hadwin, Hughes, Penrith, all missing the cut. Yeah, that's for sure. And like you mentioned, we'll get to Corey Connors and Svensson here momentarily on the LPGA Tour Thailand wins the Hanwha Life Plus International Crown, different format in that event. And on the DP World Tour, Mark, like you mentioned, in 3-dub, Adrian Moronk, the Polish prince, gets it done, a one-shot victory, rounds of 68, 68, 66, and 69 for Adrian Moronk. But let's get back to that conversation about Corey Connors, about Adam Svensson. Adam Svensson was in the mix in this tournament, really, until... The 18th hole in Saturday's third round where he made a quadruple bogey eight on that closing hole, and he was really out of the mix from there. And Corey Connors playing some great golf now uh, with the PGA Championship just around the corner. You have to remember, Corey Connors held the 18-hole lead at the 2021 PGA Championship. He's had success at the majors before. Where are you at with Connors right now, Mark, with the PGA Championship coming up next week? Well, I, I got to figure at the moment, Adam, just be, you know, based on history and based on recent form, we, I, I know we have to imagine that he's likely our best chance when we get to Oak Hill in a week. I, I mean, he's won on the PGA Tour this season. We were worried about the ball striking, but here's the reason I think he's the guy. It, it, at the end of the day, it's about his 
iron game. If his iron game is back to where it was, then we get back into the conversation of, well, all he has to do is putt average, right? Well, he was 13th in strokes gained approach this week and 19th in proximity to the hole this week. And he was fourth in strokes game putting this week. So the iron play was back and he was better than average with the putter, thus the top 10. So when those two things line up, be better than average with the putter and hit the golf ball the way you're accustomed to hitting it with the irons, That's where that seems to be the direction we're pointing in with Corey Connors. Well, I don't know about you, Mark, but people might want to sprint to FanDuel right now because Connors' odds to win the PGA Championship, 90 to one nine zero to one talk about value do they Maybe have a go top check 10 play there scully is that uh, posted yet that post those to is later. you let me let me scroll down here not yet posted no top 10 bets posted yet or odds i should say for Corey connors and for anyone overall for top 10s at the pga championship 90 to one though oh baby. my guess talk is about- you're gonna get something like 10 to one for a top yeah. 10 based yeah. on that 90 to one, something around there. I mean, value huge. Yes, and-, and I'm looking forward to my conversation later today with Andrew Green, which we, you know, we're going to play next week because I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a bit of a golf course architect geek. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'm part of the uh, golf digest top 100 panel yeah. and we just released our top 100 list a couple days ago. Uh, oh. Maybe we can get into that at some point uh, on Wednesday. Wednesday, because, we're doing that. Yeah, let's let's do a segment on Wednesday because, I mean, there were some interesting additions in the top 100. The top 10, there's not much movement in the top 10. Uh, I just played Marion a few weeks ago. As you know, it held at six. Pine Valley remains number one. Mm-hmm. It seems to be number one forever in a day, Pine Valley. It was there. Uh, but Oak Hill's in there, and we've got a huge... Re- this is the first time the world's going to see Oak Hill since the renovation, and apparently it's going to look very different. So I'm curious to see, uh, hear that conversation with Andrew of, of, of what what should we expect? What part of the last time we were at Oak Hill is going to remain the same? And what new? what is there new? Like, I keep hearing this. We've injected the Donald Ross back into Oak Hill. Does that mean we've got turtleback greens all over this? I mean, I don't know. We're going to find out. Yeah, we will certainly find out, and we'll have that uh, big conversation on that on Wednesday during our uh, radio show right here on TSN 1050 as well. 20 weeks of TaylorMade will unveil the winner of the Stealth 2 Plus driver on social media as well early this week too. Mark, thanks for a great show this morning. We'll see you and hear you again Wednesday right here on TSN 1050 and on TSN. But coming up on the other side right here on TSN 1050, where do the Maple Leafs go next? Oh boy, it is Leafs lunch. It is coming up next. Thanks so much for joining us today on GTC. And remember, the first good decision for the golf course always starts in the closet. This segment of GTC presented by Picton Mahoney Asset Management was brought to you by Adidas Golf and the ZG23. ZG23 continues to push limits on lightweight performance footwear with introduction of LightStrike and LightStrike Pro technology. They're light. They perform. They're here to compete. Visit adidas.ca slash golf. Thank you for listening to GTC. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Golf Talk Canada. For show archives, podcasts, and all things GTC, visit GolfTalkCanada.com. And don't miss Golf Talk Canada Television weekly on the TSN Television Network.